Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. You need to come boldly before the throne of God. But this year is the launching of, I think, the greatest years of our lives. And God is not going to answer our prayers. God is going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything. Come on, somebody ought to get excited. Now, you know, I want you to think about this. And, 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 and let, let, me, let me not just say words. Let me put this into your spirit. And I want you to receive it. It, it hit me this morning when we were, when we were coming, and, and, and God spoke to me, and he said, this is going to be a phenomenal year. I believe this is the beginning of the latter rain. I believe this is where God prepares us to be a glorious bride without spot or without wrinkle, that you need to, you need to uh, uh, believe big, you need to think big. And when God was laying this in my heart, this time last year, we were believing for Tiz to stay alive. Amen. Let me let that sink in. We were believing for Tiz to stay alive. She is watching right now. She is totally cancer-free. Her numbers are skyrocketing back up. When Israel left Egypt, the first thing they did was leave with the silver and the gold. This year is going to be a year of divine healing, divine health, divine abundance, divine prosperity. Now, now let me speak, let me speak prophetically. If you receive it, receive it. When Israel left Egypt, at one moment they were slaves. The next moment, boom, not over a period of a thousand years, slaves to owners of all the wealth and all the silver and all the gold and all the cattle and totally free and their enemy destroyed. That's what God is going to do for me this year. Is God going to do that for you this year? Today, Friday night began Sukkot for seven days. And it's called, you'll see this today, it's called the season of great joy. This is when they would sing. This is the day. Now, every day we can say that because we have Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But this, they would sing. They would be walking up to the Temple Mount. This is the day, the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice. It's not we might rejoice. It might, I hope we rejoice. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. Somebody ought to say amen. Lift up your hands. Say this out loud. Father, I declare in the name of Jesus Christ for me, my family, my finances, my future, my health. This is, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. If you receive that, give the Lord a great big clap offering. You may be seated. Let me say this as you're opening your Bibles up to the book of Leviticus 23. I want you to mark down. You know, I said this to, uh, uh, we did Yom Kippur service for Daystar last Sunday night. And I said this to Marcus before we went on. I said, mark down in your Bible what, this day, a year from now, and what your life will be like. And I'm telling you, mark it down a year from now. How many need a financial breakthrough? What did David say? House is paid off. They went from losing everything to house paid off. Guys, this is a, God is God 24-7, right? God is God every moment of every day. But the Bible says, call on the Lord while he is near. And I know I say this all the time, but so many people need to understand. Why does God say, call on me while I'm near? I'm God every moment of every day. 
The greatest example is what Tiz gets when we teach on TV. Is the sun, S-U-N, is the same sun here in Dallas in January as in August. But the intensity of that sun, the power, the strength of that sun, same sun. But it's different in August than it is in January. What's the difference? In August, it's closer. And you can feel the heat of that. On God's appointed times, God is the same God, the same son, S-O-N, but he is closer to us. His, his anointing is closer. His power is closer. His healing is closer. His blessing is closer. And right now, this is, right now, this is on the Hebrew calendar, the greatest day of the entire year, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. Amen. And you know what? I just got to tell you what God just spoke to me. Those who are here, those who are watching, maybe this is new to you. Maybe understanding the Jewish roots of the Bible is new to you. That's okay. You're coming in right before the day is over. And you're going to get the same reward. We've got you covered on this. Get ready for the greatest year of your life so far. If you receive that, give him praise and give him glory. Read with me on Leviticus chapter 23, starting with verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the feast of the Lord which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. Now, let me stop right there. And the reason I use this scripture is it's different now, but when we first started teaching the Jewish roots of our Bible, so many people would say, but that's the Old Testament. Those are, those are feasts for the Jews. We're different. But read this. The Lord says, he doesn't say these are the Jews' feasts, although it began with the Jewish people. And because of Jesus, we are grafted in. But the Lord says specifically, these are my feasts. These are not just the Jewish feasts, although the Jewish people are the apple of God's eye. It began with the Jewish people. We're grafted into them. They're not grafted into us. But the Lord specifically says, these are my feasts. Now read what it says. Six days shall, be, uh, shall work be done, but the seventh is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. These are the feasts. These, verse 4, these are the feasts of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. Now, real quick, I've got so much to teach this morning. The word convocation there means a rehearsal. Now, remember in Colossians, God says these are a shadow of things to come. On Passover, it was a shadow until Jesus died on the cross, and we went from a shadow that lasted one year to the real thing that lasts forever. On the day of Pentecost, Shavuot was a shadow. And then the day of Pentecost had fully come, exactly the same day, not a different day, not, a, not missing it around that time. On the exact moment, it went from a shadow to the real thing, or it went from a rehearsal. The Passover lamb was a rehearsal until Jesus became our Passover lamb. Shavuot was a rehearsal until the day of Pentecost, 50 days. It went from a rehearsal to the real thing. You know, when you think about a rehearsal, years and years ago, I sang in an uh, in inner city. I was raised in inner city, South St. Louis, and I sang in a inner city boys choir. We were real famous. We did commercials and we sang at all the big cathedrals. We sang with the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra many, many times. And, and one year, my brother and I were picked to sing in the St. Louis Opera. We did, uh, we did the Wizard of Oz the first time, and it was, had the real Wicked Witch of the West. That goes to show you how old I am. The, uh, and I, I, I was, anybody remember the Wizard of Oz? Remember that? I was the one of the guy. We represent the Lollipop Guild. That was me. And so 
<laughs> I have pictures. And so it started on Sunday evening, and the, the opera before it ended on Saturday night. And at midnight, everybody came in and did a full dress rehearsal before the real thing took place the next day. That's what Passover was, a dress rehearsal. That's what Shavuot was, a dress rehearsal. And then we have the rapture, which is Rosh Hashanah. Then we have Yom Kippur. Then we have the Feast of Tabernacles, which is right now. These are a rehearsal of the real thing that's going to take place. Full dress rehearsal. When the wedding supper of the Lamb, and next week I'm going to talk about the wedding supper of the Lamb. What is the wedding supper of the Lamb? Because not everybody gets to go. That's the reason for blowing the shofar, right? That's the reason for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. The, the, the wedding supper of the Lamb, if the rapture had taken place, the second coming had taken place, right now, right now, we would be in the real thing of the thousand-year millennium. But it didn't take place. So what happens during the thousand-year millennium is that the enemy has no power whatsoever. This is a dress rehearsal, and I claim that for me and my family. I claim that for you and your family. This year, the enemy has no strength or power. We walk under the umbrella of the blessing of the Messiah. Amen? A dress rehearsal. All right, jump down with me to, for the sake of time, jump down with me to verse... 39. Also on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. And on the first day, there shall be a Sabbath. And on the eighth day, a Sabbath rest. That eighth day is Simcha Torah, which is the end of reading of the Torah and the beginning. And it's the day, it's the day that, that uh, if you've ever been in Israel on Simcha Torah, it's the end of the reading and the beginning. It starts a whole new cycle. And it comes the day after the seven days of Sukkot right now. And then all the word of God comes alive to us. It's the day that Lion was born on. He was born on Simcha Torah, and, the, and it means the joy, of, the joy of understanding God's word. The joy of understanding God's word. And since the day Lion was born, he's, even through all of his cancer and all of his chemo, he'd laugh. He'd be bald ahead and tubes coming out. He'd be <laughs> laughing because God's word is real. But it's time for us to live without the enemy attacking us and live in that Simca joy. Amen? All right. Now watch this. In Malachi chapter 3, the Lord says, return unto me and I will return unto you. Now I want you to think about this. Israel has just come out of Babylonian captivity. Their enemies are controlling them. Their enemies have turned them into slaves. They're in captivity for 70 years. They get out, a miracle of God. They get out of Babylonian captivity. They're meeting now in Jerusalem. It's called the Great Assembly. And all the prophets are there and all the sages are there. And they're praying and they're saying, God, how do, what do we need to do so our enemy doesn't defeat us anymore? What do we need to do to walk in the victory of your Torah? To walk in the victory of the promises of God. So they're praying, and God speaks to the prophet Malachi. And he says to the prophet Malachi, Teshuvah, return unto me, and I'll return unto you. That's the reason for the blowing of the shofar for the 30 days of Elul, going into Rosh Hashanah. That's the reason for 10 days of blowing the shofar, going into Yom Kippur. I believe in all my heart, that's the reason why we're seeing the pandemic. I believe that's the reason why we're seeing craziness in our streets. I believe that's why we're seeing uh, some presidential candidates wanting to shut our nation down economically and bankrupt the nation. It is the blowing of the shofar. It is the birth pangs that God is saying first to the church. Remember, judgment begins where? In the house of God. 
the government should not be telling us what to think. We ought to be telling the government and the world what to think because America was founded as one nation under God, and that is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not the God of Allah. It's not the God of any other God. It is the God of Israel, and Jesus Christ has made us a part of the covenants of Abraham through his life and blood. Can I have an amen? I believe in all my heart that what we've seen since January or February is a wake-up call because I believe a lot of us preachers have become lukewarm. I believe a lot of the church have become lukewarm. We're more about entertainment than we are about salvation. We're more about feeling good than we are of serving the Lord. And I believe God is saying to the world, wake up. America, wake up. Church, wake up. Because something is about to happen. And I believe for us who have eyes to see and ears to hear, it is going to be exceedingly abundantly above anything we can ask or think. I believe our best is yet to come. And God wants us to be a part of it. Can I have an amen? So we have the rapture, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur is the second coming, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is symbolic or dress rehearsal of the wedding supper of the Lamb. Now, don't miss next week because I'm going to talk about the wedding supper of the Lamb, and then I'm going to go into a series on what will heaven be like. Have you ever thought about heaven? You know, I'll be honest with you. If we're just up there wearing white robes and playing a harp, I'm not in. Ring. I can see John doing that. <laughs> I'm not in. It's, heaven's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it. But this right now is a dress rehearsal. Come on, you didn't hear me. You, you, you've got to hear what the word is. This is a dress rehearsal. The wedding supper of the Lamb is the dress rehearsal for the thousand-year millennium. And how many know in the millennium, the thousand-year millennium, the Sabbath millennium, the devil has no power. He's chained up. Today, chains up the devil and releases multiplication of every good thing in your life. Amen. Why is that important? God says, my people destroy. I wonder how many Christians right now are in church right now around the world and, and, and are not even aware that we're in the Feast of Tabernacles. You know, I, I think I, I have to get in my teaching, but I'm feeling inspired by the Holy Spirit. I feel, I, I'm just real excited about this next year. You know, you think about one of the greatest rabbis in the history of the world. His name was Rabbi Schneerson. I quote him in, in a couple of my books. And he said, right before the coming of the Messiah, many of you have heard me say this, right before the coming of the Messiah, the eyes of the Gentiles will be open. See, what does that mean, the eyes of the Gentiles are open? When Jesus, you know, if you read Jesus speaking uh, in John about the Feast of Tabernacles, it says that the... Um, the religious leaders, the Pharisees says, how does it read in English? I, I, I see it in Hebrew. It says in English, it says, how does he know the letters never having studied? He's talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. He's talking about today, Jesus. Remember he said, you guys go up, I'm coming up in a minute. And the rat, when he when got up there, he started teaching and, and some of the religious leaders says, how does he know the letters never having studied. Well, what, what they're not saying is, what do they mean by letters? How does he know the Torah? That's what it means. Let, what letters is he talking about? When Jesus says it's written, what's he quoting from? He's quoting from the Torah. And one of the greatest prophecies are that in the last days, God will go amongst Gentiles. And he'll pick them. And it's getting bigger. When we first started doing this 25 years ago, uh, people thought we were heretics. Now the feast, understanding the feast, understanding the high holidays is becoming. Can I brag a little bit? I just got nominated by the nation of Israel as one of the 50 most influential Christians about three days ago, about four days ago. Oh. Oh. 
All right, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. That's enough. Take it down. Take it down. I got to teach. And, and why is that? It, why is that? What did Paul say? The, Rabbi Schneerson said that right before the coming of the Messiah, the, 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 there will be Gentiles who will begin to understand Rosh Hashanah and Yom. Jesus was fully Jewish. Never stopped being Jewish celebrated everything that we're talking about. You know, just a thought, uh, I say to the Christians all the time, if Jesus celebrated them, maybe we ought to. Until the real thing comes and then we can graft it in together. And Rabbi Schneerson said, at first, when these Gentiles start doing, you think about when, when, you know, when we were doing Daystar the other night, uh, Joni came over when I was off camera and she was talking about, it, she said, would you ever thought that we'd be doing worldwide Yom Kippur services on Christian? And I said, you know, I said, that's why I, God moved us to Dallas. I said, Joni, I can remember sitting on the set with you and Marcus and all of a sudden the light went on. She said, I remember exactly when it was the light went on and Marcus said, how come we don't know these things? Nobody's ever taught us these things. And it just began to explode. And Rabbi Schneerson said, when we begin to understand these things, he said, at first people will say, why are you doing that? But then, now, now receive this, but then the blessing of God will be so great on these Gentiles that it will get the world's attention. I'll tell you what, I don't know any greater blessing than Tiz being cancer-free, Lion being cancer-free. You know, and I'm not even on my notes yet. Can I say, Joni said to me, she said, you know, the kind of cancer Tiz had, she said, 95% of women don't survive. And I said, I know. And I said, Joni, I believe it's directly connected with the understanding of the blood of Jesus and the blessing of the nation of Israel. She said, I do too. And you know, she said to me, one of the greatest comments I ever got, she said, God gave this to you, Larry, Pastor Larry, because he knew he could trust you. This is not a gimmick. This is not a gimmick. This is, this is the end time revelation. All right, we got to get in the, are you ready? First off, the Feast of Tabernacles. Did I read everything? Did I read 39 and? Yeah, okay. I have a half hour. The Feast of Tabernacles is called three different things. Let me just go through this real fast. First, it's called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. Why the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths? Very quickly. It's to remind us that even though we're in the world, we're not of the world. When Israel was, came out of Egypt on their journey to the promised land. How many understand this earth is not the promised land? The promised land is yet to come. But while we're on the journey, when Israel was in the desert, God provided shelter. He provided shelter from their enemies. He provided shelter from the harsh weather. He provided shelter from the sun. He provided shelter from, from uh, 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 the, the diseases. Their shoes never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. He brought water out of a rock. He brought manna from heaven every day, three times a day. And so the Feast of Tabernacles, one of the things, and we used to do this, uh, uh, we'll we'll do it next year, but we couldn't with our kids, is have them build a a, a tabernacle. And you, you build a little booth. And it's to remind you that even though we're in this world, God is going to protect us. He's going to protect your home. He's going to protect your family. He's going to protect your business. We may be in this world. And I understand the coronavirus. And I understand the economic crisis. And I understand the craziness in the streets. And I understand everything. But the thing I understand is I may be on the way to the promised land. I'm going through the desert, but while I'm in the desert, he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He is Jehovah Sitkinu, Jehovah Mekedesh. And so this is to remind us that no matter what's going on out there, we are covered by divine protection of the Lord. Can I have an amen? amen? The second thing it reminds us of is that this life is temporary. You build a temporary booth. When, if you go to Israel, and I, I guess they did it this year, but every year you go up to the Jewish neighborhoods, they'll have 
little uh, little booths built where they cook in there and many of them sleep in there but they leave part of the roof open why we're enjoying the protection we're enjoying the provision but even though we're being blessed and i think it's especially important this year to remember this even though we're protected even though we're blessed even though we're provided for we keep a hole in the roof to keep our eyes far towards the sky looking for the coming of the messiah and i think maybe that's kind of what America and the world has forgotten we're so blessed, we're so protected, we're so cared for that we forgot that it's him who brings us the blessing and the protection and it's him who's coming soon. We need to keep our eyes off the ground and towards the sky. Can I have an amen? All right, forgive me for going so fast. God says also, build me a place that I can dwell in. Our job as Christians is not just to be blessed, but our job as Christians is to be a blessing. We are, I am, you are, you are, you are, you are, we are called by God to tikkun olam, to repair a broken world, to make this world a place where as many as we can, there is no hunger, there is no violence, there is no racism, there is no hatred, there is no division, that we are as Christians, not just to fill a seat, but I'm called to change the world, you're called to change the world, piece by piece, little by little, chunk by chunk, we are called to make this world a better place. You know, I was thinking we were, we, were, we were going, my mom is turning 93 and I was talking to her on the phone the other day. And she, she said to me, she said, who would have ever thought you would be where you are? I'm from the inner city. I'm from the hood. I was the most likely not to succeed, but end in prison. But because And I thank God for the people that got me saved because they told me not just to get saved. They told me I had a mission. And my mission is to make the world a better place. My mission is to teach the word of God, to change the world. And so we're to be reminded during this time that we're not just to be blessed, but we're blessed to be a blessing. Can I have an amen? Let me jump down uh, once again. Zechariah 14, 16. Listen to these words. It shall come to pass that everyone who is left amongst the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. To keep the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be that whoever of the families of the earth do not come up, Aliyah, to Jerusalem, on them, there will be no rain. Now, real quick, and forgive me for going so fast. What does that mean? On the Feast of Tabernacles, when we bring, when we come to worship God on the Feast of Tabernacles, and we bring our first fruit offering, that's what they're, millions of Jews are walking from the Pool of Siloam up the Pilgrimage Road. And, and once again, in ancient Hebrew, there's no word for what? It's, I don't believe it's a coincidence that after 2,000 years, they have rediscovered the pilgrimage road. Not, not like, oh, here's a rock. We think this was part of the pilgrimage road. The whole pilgrimage road, untouched, pristine uh, condition from the pool of Siloam all the way up through the money changers, all the way up to the Temple Mount. And we're months away from it being open to the public. I sat with, the pres- uh, with Prime Minister Netanyahu and I said, what does it mean for to discover the pilgrimage road? And he got teary-eyed and he said, he said, Pastor, he said, my ancestors, your ancestors, Jews and Gentiles, 2,000 years ago, we know Jesus walked this road. We know our, all of our ancestors walked this road to worship the same God. He said, I believe we've refound it because we're about to walk this road again together, Jews and Gentiles. And I believe it. Finding the pilgrimage road, finding the pilgrimage road is, 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 a, uh, is a 
sound of the shofar. It's a birth pang saying this, what we're seeing in the physical, we're about to do again in the spiritual. This is not a coincidence. This is a sign. I believe that God is saying the Messiah is getting ready to come. The unity between Jews and Gentiles, that unity of us walking that pilgrimage road, like Prime Minister Netanyahu said, he said, this is a sign to the world that Jews and Gentiles will come into this unity. And we see what's happening in Israel. Okay, so what does the scripture say? It says the Gentiles who don't do this, the Gentiles who who refuse to worship on Sukkot, they'll not see the rain. What rain is he talking about? When we bring our first fruit offering today or for the next seven days, when we bring that first fruit offering, God says he'll release the early rain and the latter rain. Now, I can remember a few years ago, we did a tour in Israel during the Feast of Tabernacles. And we started our tour down around the Sea of Galilee. And that's where a lot of the farms are and the agriculture is. And there hadn't been any rain for eight months. The, sea, the fields were plowed, the seeds were planted, but everything was dry as a bone. Everything was covered in dust. And I use that as an illustration. I said, unless the rain comes, there is no harvest. The rain for the whole year that multiplies our harvest comes from the Feast of Tabernacle offering that covers everything. Passover covers a certain thing. Uh, Pentecost covers a certain thing. But the first fruit offering on the Feast of Tabernacle covers everything. Rain doesn't just hit here and miss here. It covers everything. So we're looking at it, and it's bone dry. The, the ground's there, the seed's there, but we've got to have the rain. We went from the Sea of Galilee, and I can remember we're coming up on a, on a we had a few buses, we're coming up, we're making Aliyah right before Shabbat, the afternoon before Shabbat, we're coming up to Jerusalem, and our bus driver begins to play that song, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and we're just all, and all, and I had my eyes closed, and we're worshiping God, and I think it was Robert or one of the guys said, Pastor, look, and on the windshield was the sprinkle of rain. Now, listen to me. This is so important. It just began to sprinkle this mist covering all of Israel. That's the early rain. Because if the heavy rain comes first, the ground is so dry, it washes the seed away. It washes it away. But the early rain comes and it cements that seed into the ground. And then after the early rain, then comes the latter rain. And you and I are ready for the latter rain. Come on. And that latter, the early rain seals it. The first church seals it. Then the latter rain multiplies that. The more rain, the greater the harvest. The more rain, the greater the crop yield is. And so we were driving into Jerusalem and this mist, I mean, it was a mist that just soaked everything. And I remember our tour guide, who's been our tour guide for 25 years, Scotty or so, Yaakov, he said, pull the bus over. We pulled the bus over, overlooking the old city. And when we got out there, and I mean, it was so spiritual. It was beyond words. And we looked over the old city and over the Temple Mount, and there was a double rainbow. Coming, I'm not, I'm not joking. Double rainbow over that, and I remember, and we're we're we were crying. It was so moving; you could feel God saying, "This is what I'm going to do." And our our, our tour guide Yaakov comes up, and he's been a, he was a paratrooper in the military. He's been a tour guide for years. He goes, "I've come into Jerusalem thousands and thousands of times with tours," and he said, "I've never felt God like I feel God." right now. You guys really do welcome in the Messiah. 
And I'm telling you, that's what God's getting ready to do. You've got to realize that your blessing is sealed. But today, God is going to bring the latter rain. And there's going to be a multiplication in our lives. I'm telling you, everything the devil has stolen from me, everything the devil's stolen from my family, everything the devil has stolen from you, it's coming back in this latter rain, multiplied by seven, joy and peace and happiness and victory. The, the devil loses and the abundance and the multiplication of God is released in every area of three times a year you come before the Lord and you don't come empty Malachi return unto me and I return to you how do we return in your tithes and your offerings the offerings is three times a year you come before the Lord you don't come empty handed the first one is Passover you bring a first fruit offering second one is Pentecost Shavuot you bring a first fruit offering the third one the main one this is the day the Lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it is today now on Passover not every Jew showed up they got their first fruit in, but many of them sent it. On, on Shavuot, not every Jew showed up. Everybody got a first fruit offering, but many of them sent it. But on this one, that's why there were millions and millions of Jews there. Millions and Gentiles who were following. They didn't send it. They, they weren't taking any chance that somebody would, would not get there. They brought their first fruit. So picture from the Temple Mount down the pilgrimage road all the way past the Pool of Siloam. Millions and millions of Jews. Why would they bring their first fruit offering personally? Because this one multiplies everything. Guys, our God is a good God. Our God is an awesome God. All right, let me show you this real quick in 15 minutes. There are three parts to the celebration. It's called the season of joy. There are three parts to the celebration. First off, there's the temple lighting ceremony. In the, the court of the women, there were four towering menorahs that were 75 feet high. Now, I don't know how high this ceiling is. How high would this ceiling be? 30 feet. So picture these giant menorahs three and a half times as high as the ceiling. On each menorah, 75 feet high, on each menorah were four giant bowls of oil, four giant cauldrons. Picture like a, a, a golden 55 gallon drum. Out of each one of these oils, were these, these long wicks that the priests would light. The long wicks were made out of the high priest's clothes, and they were called swaddling cloth. Remember when Jesus, who is the light of the world, was wrapped in? Because he is the high priest. Thank you very much. So they're about to start the ceremony and the high priest climb up these 75 foot ladders or the assistant priest, not the high priest. The assistant priest climbs up. They've got the wicks made out of what the high priest clothes from the year, which is are, are called swaddling cloth. And they lighted 16 giant bowls of flame reminding us that Jesus is the light of the world. And then Jesus says to us, now you are the light of the world. Okay, real quick. During the lighting in the women's court, this is when, and forgive me for going through this so quick. This is when the religious brought the woman caught in the act of adultery. And they brought her because not that they cared about her, but they wanted to trick Jesus in his mercy and his grace, especially on this day. It's not a coincidence they did it on this day when we're celebrating the goodness, the mercy, the joy, the light of the coming Messiah. So Jesus sees these religious hypocrites and he kneels down. Now, the woman was caught in the act. So it's not like there's any question. 
that she did it. But what did Jesus do? He knelt down in the earth and wrote something with his finger. And we see that as the religious accusing her saw what he wrote, one by one, they said, no habla English. Nein sprechen Sie Deutsch. What was Jesus writing? Jeremiah the prophet tells us in Jeremiah 17. It says, he'll write in the earth with his finger those who have ashamed him. And so there's nothing more, there's nothing more not like Christ than pretending to be religious and not loving people and loving your neighbor. Forgive those who trespass against you because I forgive. And you know, something that God laid in my heart this morning, and I forgot about it until just now, is God, and, and I said, well, I don't even know where to put that in. Now I know. If, if you're holding a grudge against somebody, let it go. Today, let it go. Say, well, pastor, they really did it. She, she really did it too. She really did it too. But the thing of it is, when you hold on to a grudge, it doesn't trap the. A lot of times the people that we're mad at don't even know we're mad at them. The only one that it ruins lives is yours. So right now, let it go. Leave it in the hands of the Lord. And then the, Jesus said to the woman, woman, where are your accusers? She said, none here, Lord. And he said, neither do I accuse you. But go and sin no more. So if there's something you need to let go in, of, uh, in, in the hands of God, let it go. Let me jump real quick. So you have the lighting ceremony, in the, and, and this represents the Shekinah glory. And it says that every corner of Jerusalem, the city of David, was lit with the presence of God. And we go on. The second thing is the water libation ceremony. And this is, this is probably the, the most powerful part of it all, is that in the water libation uh, ceremony, there are three things that happen. The pouring of water, the waving of the willows, the blood of sacrifice. Now, at the bottom of the pool of Siloam, the priests would go down and they would fill a water pitcher with the waters of salvation. They would bring it up in a great ceremony and they would walk through, if you've been to the old city, they'd walk through the water gate. When they're coming through, then there would be another group, hundreds and hundreds of priests that would have these 25-foot willows. And as they're walking in through the other gate, they would be waving the willows, hundreds of them. And the wheels were going, this represents the blowing of the breath of God. That God is about to breathe on everything we do. Then they would have another priest stand on the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone's not at the bottom, the chief cornerstone's at the top. And he would blow the shofar reminding everyone that this represents the coming of the Messiah. Now, here's where it really gets good. While they're all coming in, the high priest would be behind the altar, and he would take a lamb. Let me back up. For the seven days going through this, and, and this once again proves that this is not just for the Jews. During the seven days of doing this, they would, Israel would offer, the priests would offer 70 bulls because at that time there were 70 nations and they were making intercession for every nation of the world, every Gentile in the world. They were making intercession because they knew when the Messiah came, he would graft them into the promises of God. So they're making by faith sacrifice for the Gentiles. The, the, the high priest then would take a lamb or a sacrifice, lay it on the altar, and as he lays it on the altar, they would come through the water gate with the water. They would come through the other gate with the uh, east gate with the willows. The, high, the, the, the second high priest would stand at the cornerstone and blow the shofar 
and then they would all come in and they would follow one more priest who would be playing a flute. And the flute was called the pierced one. On Passover, whenever you take the matzah that's in three levels, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, you pull out the middle one, the Son, you hold it up. Ever since Passover began, the matzah always has stripes and holes representing the Messiah that by his stripes we are healed and by the nails in his hands and his feet we regain authority and dominion as the sons of God. So they would follow him in. The blood is now sacrificed. The blood is laying on the altar. And together as the people saw them following the Messiah, they would begin to sing, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Because what they understood was salvation was someday in heaven, but salvation was not limited to one day in heaven. Salvation was God save us while we're here on earth and send now prosperity. Everybody ought to shout now. How many want prosperity? When do you want it? Send now. Now. Now, now, that's not a preacher saying that. That's the word of God on this day. Send now prosperity. So they follow the pierced one up. They lay the the willows on the altar. Uh, that, That would be the altar. They lay the willows on there signifying that God, as you bless us this next year, we will build your house. We will build you a house to dwell in. Now, here's where, here's where it really gets good. The high priest then would be standing. The blood has been shed. The house of God has been built. The shofar has been blown, announcing we're waiting for our king to come. The high priest would then take two pitchers. One had the water. The other had the wine. The water is symbolic of baptism, of going into the mikvah. Baptize me, John. No, Lord, you baptize. Baptize me, John, that it may be fulfilled. And when Jesus went into the water and he came out, this is called being born again. That's where the term really came from. Nicodemus, you must be. Lord, how do you do these miracles? You must be born again. How am I born again? Do I enter a second time into my mother's womb? Nicodemus, you're a teacher of the Jews. You know there's the birthing that is human, and there's the birthing that is spiritual. When you ladies birth a baby, when a baby is about to be born, what breaks? Water. It's a sign that something is about to be birth. That's the physical birth. When we go into a mikvah and we come out, every curse is broken. Every blessing is released. It is a rebirthing. That's what being born. Now, we, we call being born again, receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And we'll always do that because everybody knows that. But the real Hebrew term of born again, and everybody... Sh- must receive Jesus. Say amen. Amen. But the term born again has to do with water that it doesn't matter what we were. We've been around negative people. We've been around sickness. We've been around failure. We've been around poverty. We've been around violence. We've been around racism. We've been around ignorance. We've been around, but we go into the water and we break the contact with all failure. And now we are more than conquerors. Amen. When a couple gets married under the hoopah, they take wine together. This is a sign of covenant. I am, I am forever have a covenant relationship with Tiz, and Tiz forever has a covenant relationship with me. As oft as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. We have a covenant relationship with Jesus, and Jesus has a covenant relationship with us. Do you understand that? A covenant relationship not to be broken. 
not to be broken. The covenant, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to sleep. That's what Gentiles worry about. That's what those who have no covenant. Do you have a covenant? How many places Jesus shed his blood? Seven. How many times did they sprinkle blood in, uh, on the ark on Yom Kippur? Seven. All those seven places cover every area of your life, your family, your finances, your future. Cover every area. So this means that we're for not only forgiven, the blood is forgiven, the water means every curse is broken, and the wine means that every covenant blessing is ours. Now watch this. But there was a time that one of the religious leaders of uh, the high priests of Israel did not believe that God wanted to bless his children. He believed they should suffer. There's religious leaders that still believe that. He believed that they should suffer. He believed that they should, they should struggle because uh, only, God only does good things in heaven and we're on our own. So when they got to this point, the blood was sacrificed, the willows, the house of God was built, the, the, the water was in the pitcher, the water of salvation, but he took the wine and he poured it on the ground. And so when it was over, that next year, there was no prosperity. There was no blessing. There was no abundance. There was no, uh, 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 the harvest was limited. The flocks were limited. So from that moment on, they found out that he did. So the priest is standing up on, on the, the platform and the people, now picture millions of people, millions of people all the way down the valley, the Kidron Valley, all the way down past the pool of Siloam. The people would begin to shout, show us your hands, show us your hands, show us your hands. Cause they didn't want to miss it. They, they knew their sins were forgiven. They knew that, that the old was washed away. But they wanted the covenant blessing. And so they would shout every time on this day, show us your hands, show us your hands. And the high priest would lift up his hands. He would lift up his hands. And as he lifted up his hands, they then would begin to shout behind that couldn't see. Is it finished? Is it finished? Because they can't see. They're down the hill. They're a quarter mile away, a mile away, two miles away. And you could hear million. Is it finished? And the high priest would pour the water and the wine. And he'd lift up the empty vessels. And the people who saw it would go. And the high priest would go. It is finished. (laughs) But Jesus taught. That our blessing is not complete until we turn to those who haven't seen it. We see it. Is it finished? And the high priest goes, it's finished. And he would, he, the, the people would turn to those behind him and go, it's finished. It's finished. They begin to shout. And they turn to those others. It's finished. And guys, that's what God is saying to us. We got we to gotta pass the good news on. You know, when the pandemic's over and the economy's back together and, and, and the, the, the streets are safe again, we, gotta, we can't forget that we've got to pass on to the rest of the world. It's finished. It's finished. Don't forget. At this time, right before this would happen, the people would begin to shout, we thirst. We thirst. We thirst for the presence of God. And we need to remember that Jesus said, if any man hunger or thirst, let him come to me. Our thirst as individuals or our thirst as a church or our thirst as a city or our thirst as a nation or our thirst as the world, nothing in this world can quench that thirst. But only Jesus Christ can. It is finished. And we need to let everybody know what a wonderful, wonderful God we serve. Do you receive that? Would you stand to your feet all over the building? And I want to read something to you here. The promises of God. I got three minutes. The promises of God for us as we walk out of this building today. This is in Joel chapter 2, 
Listen to the words of the Lord. This is the promise today for you. Say for me. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the farmer rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you. The farmer rain and the latter rain in this first month. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat. The vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. That's restoration. That's the restoration of God. So I will restore to you the years the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, the chewing locusts, my great army which I sent amongst you. Now, I want you to look at that. He said, I'm going to restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. He should, that should have been enough. But then he says, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, the chewing locusts, whichever way the enemy attacked your harvest of joy and happiness and, and blessing, whichever way he's attacked, everything's coming back. He, he, can't, he can't restore the years. Receive that. He can't receive. Let's say, God forbid, let's say you went through three years of economic problems or you went through three years of marriage problems. We can't give you those years back, but all the joy, all the peace that should have been in those three years, it's coming all back in one big hunk. Amen? That's what it means. Look at this. You shall, you shall, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dwelt wonderfully with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. In other words, stand up for what's righteous. You'll not be put to shame. Amen. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and you're Israel because you're grafted in. And that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. It shall come to pass afterward, in the last days, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. That word pour in Hebrew is a word that, that means um, um, in English, uh, a gushing, a gu- not just a sprinkling, a gushing. Guys, it's time for the gifts of the spirit. It's time for the gifts of the spirit in your life. A gushing. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. I did an interview. I did an interview a couple days ago, which was amazing. It was uh, from an all black university. And they called me and asked to do an interview. And we started off on my book and we talked about the, the four, she said, the four blood moons. And everybody asked, what's happened since the four blood moons? Embassies moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. The Arab nations, the Muslim nations are calling for an end to boycotting. President Trump was elected. That's what launched all this. But it was interesting in, the, in that she said, you know, Pastor, I know we're supposed to talk about your book, but I want to talk about, I know you and Tiz, I've followed you. She said, you have stood against racism for the 30 years that I followed your ministry. She said, I believe this is one of the greatest signs of black and white and brown coming together as one family body of Christ. And I was very honored. I was very honored by that. Anyway, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in the Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be deliverance. As the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord has called. These are 
the greatest times in the history of the world. And God wants them to be the greatest times in your life. Have you gone through some battles? Sure, a lot of people have. Is our nation going through some battles? Sure. But I believe we're hearing the blowing of the shofar. And today, today launches us into a rehearsal of when the enemy is defeated in every area of our lives. And God reigns. And I believe that. How many of you have a prayer request? How many of you have a prayer request? You're believing God to do, I'm not going to call your names out, but how many of you are believing God something, something marvelous to happen in your home, in your family, in your life? This is the day. Do you understand that? This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I got to finish the rest of it. Save us now. And send now prosperity. How many are ready for prosperity to come? Amen. We're going to receive our first fruit offering the same way we're doing our regular offering. And you that are watching by stream, we had somebody watching by stream a couple weeks ago and sent just a wonderful, wonderful offering for Aliyah, where we were able to tell Israel, let, let's, let's, we're going to step up on this. And so your first fruit is not just going to this church. Your first fruit, we are taking a first fruit offering to Israel. Well, we can't take it. We're going to send it. Every year we take it. This year we've got to send it. And we're going to purchase a whole plane load of Ethiopian Jews. Now, I want you to think about do you think God will bless you today? Amen. Right now, there are, there are Ethiopian Jews that are in camps, John, I wish we had pictures, that are beyond horrible. And they're wondering, will this ever change? And because of your generosity and your generosity today, and if we... If we do really well, we'll get two airplanes. But we're going to save lives today. And God is going to, you know, and I, and I, I would never use Tiz and Lion as their miracles as a gimmick. Uh, it would scare me way too much. But I remember when Luke and Jen were first and see, what I, what, the reason I'm telling this is we believe in this. It's not, it's not a, it's not a, if you read Malachi three, I'll open the windows of heaven. Read what comes right before that. He said, I'm going to judge the priest who take false offerings. I'm going to judge the priests who take false offerings, but we'll return to our offerings of old. I can remember Luke and Jen just a few days in the hospital with a lion devastated and made sure their first fruit offering got to church on Sunday. Yeah. I can remember putting our first fruit offering in, believing no one, believing the doctor was wrong that Tiz only had three months because we were at the end of three months. Does this work? It works. Amen. Guys, it works. I will bless those who bless you, Israel, and I will curse those who curse you. So we're going to not just receive your first fruit offering. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. We're going to bless Israel with this. We're going to, we're going to let Israel know. And if, and if we do real good, we'll, we'll, do an, we'll do another plane of 200 people. But let's save lives because God's about to make our lives tremendously blessed. Do you receive that today? Let me say the blessing over you. And forgive me. Forgive me for being too Jewish. But this is the day that We would normally bring our first fruit up and walk through the hoopah, representing the marriage of God between us and the covenant blessing. And we would take the lulav. The lulav represents, and the estruk, this represents unlimited harvest. And we would wave it to the north, to the north, 
to the south, to the east, to the west, below and above. And that would symbolize that there is no limit to your harvest and there is no limit to way the, the, the direction or the way that God will bring your harvest. So let me say the blessing over you. Father, we thank you. As your, your prayer says at this time, for bringing us to a moment in history that we could gather together to worship you on this day. And Father, I declare from the north, the south, the east, the west, above and beneath, release your blessing on your people. Release divine health, divine joy, divine peace, divine prosperity, divine blessing in every single area, on our homes, our families, on our jobs, our businesses, on our health, on our minds, our spirit. Father, on our children and grandchildren, on our husbands and wives, on our mothers and our fathers, our grandmothers and grandfathers. Release your blessing on this church, on this ministry, on all of our partners, on our city, on the great state of Texas, on America, which is still one nation under God, and on the world. Father, let us all hear the blowing of the shofar. And as we hear it, let us declare from our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our souls, our spirits, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And we give you all the praise in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, who is our Messiah. And everybody that's going to have a great new year shouted, Amen. give the Lord a clap offering. Amen. Only went eight minutes over. I did good. It is a miracle. Pastor Watterson's going to dismiss you. We're going to receive the offerings. I apologize that we can't come up and bless every one of you, but Tiz and I send our blessing. We love you. You guys on screen, may you have a great, great Feast of Tabernacles next week. What? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Pastor Wannan said we need to pray for our president in more ways than one. His wife also, I believe, correct? Yeah. Would you? And you know what? We would any any president we have, we would pray for them. That's facing this, right? So lift your hands this way. Let's come in agreement. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that by His stripes. We're already healed. Father, you said whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Father, we bind this sickness from President and First Lady Trump. We loosen the blessing and the power of the blood of Jesus. Father, we release divine health on them, divine healing on them. We command the spirit of infirmity to leave them. And as you do for the head... We command the spirit of infirmity to leave our nation and leave the world. Father, give divine wisdom to those who are involved with medicine. And Father, what, however you do this, we will give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a clap offering one more time. Happy Sukkot.